for today's lesson. Uh, the first being John chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and the second, Psalm 103. So if you'd like to turn to, to John 10 or Psalm 103, I'll be reading both passages. Uh, before we begin the sermon, I just wanted to make a, a brief announcement. Uh, this past Sunday afternoon, I had the privilege of touring the ark as it currently is, under construction. And uh, so I had hoped to give you a brief uh, description of that uh, at the beginning of Sunday school today. So that will be uh, part of uh, my Sunday school lesson for today. Let's turn our attention back to the very Word of God, beginning first in John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And now from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and, and to, to those who remember His commandments to do them. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, you His hosts, you ministers of His who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, our passages today remind us that your Son, our Savior, came to give life and to give it abundantly. Father, we also see in these passages that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, and yet the Scriptures warn us that you will not withhold your wrath forever. Father, you see the iniquities of your creation, those iniquities wrought by men who sin against you, men who promote evil. 
And Father, you have told us plainly from your scriptures that you will judge wickedness. Father, knowing those things, seeing that in your word, we learn to fear you. And so, Father, we pray that when we, in our fear of you, that we would reach out to you asking for your grace and mercy on our behalf and embracing your means of grace that your people might be saved. We pray these things in the name of Jesus our Savior and for his sake. Amen. It was a warm but cloudy summer Saturday morning. Several hundred people had gathered on Vine Street that morning on the west side of the street. Some estimated the number to be over 300. There were large numbers of law enforcement, both from Hamilton County Sheriff's Department and the Cincinnati Police Department. And numerous news agencies had sent correspondence and video crews to record that morning's events. On the east side of Vine Street stood a nondescript building with no markings. It looked like so many other commercial buildings on the same street. Yet, what took place inside that building was very different. This building housed one of two remaining abortuaries in Cincinnati. This particular abortuary was owned by Planned Parenthood. On the sidewalk in front of this building were five protesters, all carrying signs condemning the unabated practice of of abortion. Three of the protesters were stationary, spaced several yards apart. The other two were slowly walking up and down the sidewalk in front of the building. They were not chanting or heckling. They were somber, and you could see some of their lips moving because they were praying. Earlier that week, Judge Thomas Crush, and yes, that's his name, that judge had of the Hamilton County Superior Court had issued an injunction based upon labor law as it related to protesting during a strike that the numbers of protesters in front of the abortuary could not exceed five. Should the number rise above five, the local law enforcement agencies were instructed to arrest those in front of the abortuary for violation of the injunction. This was no labor dispute, and Judge Crush knew that his injunction was in violation of the constitutional provisions to peaceably assemble. Nevertheless, knowing that he would likely be overturned at the appellate court, Judge Crush willfully suppressed the constitutionally protected activity to peaceably assemble in protest in front of the abortuary. In so doing, Judge Crush was bowing his knee to Molech when he should have been kissing the sun. At about 10 a.m., the five protesters on the east side of the street crossed the street to the west side, leaving no one on the sidewalk in front of the abortuary. Moments later, approximately 1028 protesters from the west side of the street crossed the street, and before reaching the sidewalk in front of the abortuary, they knelt down on the curb and silently prayed to God that he would bring an end to the systematic slaughter of the unborn in our nation. The law enforcement personnel began moving in and instructing those praying that they had to leave or they would be arrested. Those that were praying continued to pray and the arresting began. 
In less than 45 minutes, the arrests had ceased. Those who had been praying were now being booked at the Hamilton County Justice Center for praying on a public curb. When did this occur? I don't remember seeing this on the news or on the internet. Maybe I was on vacation when it happened or out of town. When did it happen? Brethren, unless you're over 30 years of age, you weren't alive to witness these things. What fewer people still understand about that event is that in the months leading up to that, the anti-abortion protesters had closed three abortuaries as a result of their relentless praying. Two abortuaries remained in Cincinnati, and they were now in the sights of the protesters. Both abortuary owners of those two abortuaries knew that they too would have to close absent protection from the courts, and so they filed a suit to impose Judge Crush's injunction on the protesters. These abortuary owners also knew that the injunction would only be a temporary solution to the problem, so they began planning to construct the fortress that now stands across the street from Christ Hospital, known as Cincinnati's Planned Parenthood Clinic. No longer do women have to walk through a gauntlet of people proclaiming abortion to be murder and those pleading that pregnant women reconsider and repent of taking the lives of their unborn children, as was the case that Saturday morning. They can now remain safely in the comfort of their cars and pull through the iron gates of Molex Fortress on Auburn Avenue to clinically commit the murder of their own children with the aid of the priests of death. A moment ago, I said that three abortuaries closed as a result of relentless praying. And some would argue that they closed because of relentless protesting. But the truth of the matter is that three men, Mike O'Brien, Tracy Anzac, and Paul DeMott, had constituted themselves to systematically pray for the end of abortion in Cincinnati and that God would reveal to them the means by which they could bring the end of abortion to fruition. Just three men. For many, many months, the three of them prayed. A few others began to join them. Then they began to protest while they continued to pray, and God gave them the increase. Brethren, our Savior came to this earth to redeem a people who are to repent of their sin and embrace the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in their lives. Jesus purchased our redemption that his Father, our Heavenly Father, might be glorified. And our text from John 10 reads, Jesus saying these words, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundant measure. Furthermore, before he makes that clear in this statement from John 10, he warns against thieves who come to steal, kill, and destroy. Those who promote abortion are thieves who want to steal babies from the womb kill that child, and destroy the child, 
the life of the mother and bring judgment down from heaven on the nations that promote and protect life. Make no mistake about this. There is a war going on, and the God who loves justice will not be mocked. The sacrifice God the Father made in giving His Son as a ransom for the salvation of men will not be ridiculed. God is just, as just as He is merciful. In Psalm 103, is a profound declaration of God's mercy. But we must not lose sight of the fact that God's mercy, that is, the withholding of wrath, God's mercy, can only be exhibited when God's justice is demanded. Let me say that again. The mercy of God can't be exhibited unless the justice of God is demanded. There is no staying the hand of God without the necessity of His hand swinging to strike down the wicked. Otherwise, mercy has no meaning. Hear these words embedded in Psalm 103 amidst the descriptions of God's mercies. Verse 6, The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Verse 9, he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. One of the greatest oppressions of this generation, yea, the greatest oppression of this generation, occurs at Molex Fortress on Auburn Avenue across from Christ Hospital in Cincinnati. The systematic murder of the unborn continues unabated. We can't help but wonder how long God will keep his anger, as is described in Psalm 103. There is no point in trying to predict when his anger will be poured out. It is enough to know that he will not keep his anger forever. He has clearly stated he will not keep his anger forever. It is for us to believe this declaration. And brethren, this brings us to the fear of the Lord. Now, those verses that bring us to the fear of the Lord are embedded both beforehand and afterward in this psalm, in declarations of God's mercies. Four major declarations are had in this passage. Consider them with me. Verse 4. Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Isn't this what happened with Noah and his family? Who redeemed their lives from destruction? who crowned them with loving kindness and tender mercies. When before the great deluge would come, yea, a hundred years before, Noah was told to build an ark for a great flood, a flood that had never ever been seen before. Noah believed the Lord's word. Verse 8 from our passage. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. 
The Scripture speaks of many times when the people of Israel had, had stoked the anger of God and Moses had to intervene for them, intercede, asking God to relent, reminding God of His great covenant with His, with his people, the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Will you not give fodder to the enemies of your people saying that you don't care and bring your wrath upon them? Or, Lord, would you please remember your covenant and bring them out of the mire of their sin? Be merciful and gracious to them, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And God was. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. What He does for us individually, He can do for the nations. J.R. Rush Dooney has written a little book called The One and the Many. It speaks of the individual as well as the corporate nature of God's salvation. When we get to Romans chapter 8, we see that, that Christ didn't die just for individuals. He died for the whole creation. The whole creation groaned until the time of the manifestation of the sons of God. God's redeeming the whole thing. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. All authority. Not just part of it. All of it. Of the increase of His government and of His peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. Jesus Christ is the King of it all. The whole creation. Which did not come to pass except by His own decree. For the Bible tells us nothing was made without Him that has been made. He brought forth that which God the Father had decreed. And now we, being the elect of God, being receiving that grace and mercy, having our eyes opened, our ears unstopped, our tongues loosed to sing the praises of God, we have seen the salvation of the Lord in our lives. And that salvation can come to others. That last passage regarding the mercy of God appears in verse 17 in Psalm 103. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him. And that was the distinction in the days of Noah. It said that Noah was a righteous man. He walked with the Lord. Brethren, that means he feared the Lord. Otherwise, he never would have put his hand to building a boat as big as the ark that would take most of his lifetime. Well, to that point, yes. And yet he feared the Lord enough to build something that had never been built before because God told him to do it. The profound nature of God's mercies are gloriously revealed in this psalm of David. Now David knew the needs for mercy. It's believed that this psalm is, is written after he had committed the sin with Bathsheba. And of course, in, in Psalm 51, as we often remind ourselves during the confession of sin in our worship, David's grief 
was so great. And even in our prayer today, he, he pled that God would not take His Holy Spirit from him. That He would remain near to him even in the midst of his great sin. As he repents, as he turns from it, David teaches us that mercy comes in the midst of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. These are the teachings of our passages. Let me come to an application of these passages. The sermon today will be briefer than most Sundays. Michael Bryan, Tracy Anzac, and Paul DeMott, three men. You've never heard their names, have you? Some of you might know Tracy Anzac. He was a, a deacon at the Church of the Covenant, our uh, parent church. Michael Bryan was a member there as well. Paul DeMott, a, a Baptist brother, is, uh, uh, last I knew, is a judge in the Hamilton County Court System in the juvenile division. It's interesting that Judge Crush brought pain and suffering upon those people and now some of the very people that worked so diligently to bring an end to some of those abortuaries are now in some of those positions, similar positions. But those three men, I don't think they consciously knew what, what they had committed themselves to when they committed themselves to prayer. They intuitively knew it. This was the means that was at their disposal to fight a battle that needs to be fought. And we, we know these, that prayer is one of the ordinary means of grace. We, we speak of it often here. Uh, Acts 2.42. That the early church remained steadfast in four things. The apostles' doctrine, prayer, the breaking of bread, which is a reference to the, the sacrament of the Lord's table, and fellowship. Those four things were the things they remained steadfast in. And what did God do to the, to the church to remain steadfast in those four things? Two verses later, He added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Do we want to change the circumstance in our nation where abortion is is uh, continues on unabated? It's not going to happen. Well, it, it may happen at the ballot box. It may happen at the courthouse steps. But I assure you, it can and will happen when the ordinary means of grace are brought to bear on it. That's what we have our assurance in. We're not supposed to place our faith in in the strength of men. The psalmist tells us that. We're never to to put our faith in that or the strength of the horse. You know, the the psalmist used these, these wonderful allusions to mighty strong things. But... Is that where our strength is to be placed? If that were the case, David never would have gone onto the plain with five smooth stones to face the giant Goliath. Caleb would never have asked for the land of the Amalekites as an inheritance, the land of the giants. Of course, he had a pretty profound helper, Othniel, 
the first judge who, who wanted uh, Caleb's da- uh, daughter's hand in marriage. Uh, that, that's a good motivation. That's not a problem. But here is, here's a man who confronted with giants didn't waver. He didn't, he didn't look for an exit. He came to God by faith because he feared the Lord more than he feared the faces of men. Brethren, let me encourage you. If you feel helpless in the midst of this Holocaust, as I feel helpless in the midst of this Holocaust, ask yourself, ask yourself, have I availed myself of the means of grace as I ought? Have I prayed diligently, faithfully, and continually that God would raise His hand against wickedness and put it down? Have we done that? Have we done that yet? I can tell you I have not. So my application today is renew that commitment first. Just as Mike O'Brien, Tracy Anzac, and Paul DeMott committed themselves to that. And let me tell you what they did. They diligently, every day, prayed for these things and at least once a week, often many times a week, met together to pray to that end. And did that for more than six months before they even stepped in front of an abortion clinic. I say clinic. I should say abortuary. That's more descriptive. Five abortuaries existed in Cincinnati at that time. Five. There's but one now. And it is a fortress. Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. When he asks his disciples in Matthew's Gospel, who do men say that I am? Only Peter responded appropriately. And God, the Son, says to Peter, the fa- your Father in heavens revealed this to you. And then proclaims, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You want a, gl- uh, you want a glimpse of the gates of hell, brother? Drive to Auburn Avenue. Clifton Heights, go up the hill, pass Christ Hospital, which will be on your left as you're traveling north. Quickly turn your eyes to the left, or to the right. Christ Hospital's on the left. Quickly turn your eyes to the right, and you will see a fortress, a gated fortress, a, a, a brick building, which has a title on the top of it, Euphemistically Planned Parenthood. It should read Temple of Doom or Temple of Molech. Look at the gates in front of that place. That's what the gates of hell look like on earth. And pray to the living God that those gates would come down. That He would raise up His might and bring an end to that. And then watch his might come against it. For the Bible tells us 
our passage tells us. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. But he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Fear the Lord. Embrace his means of grace. Trust in his mercy and grace for both yourself and our nation. And ask him to rise up against wickedness. Let us pray together. Father in heaven.